Yo, welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. Banksy, you're going full dome tonight. No, uh, no hat. Let's go, baby. You know you gotta you gotta flex on them. Bald is beautiful, baby. It's 2022, and I'm not going back. In 2015, I shaved my head because I said, "If BYU won at Gonzaga, I'd shave my head." And BYU won at Gonzaga, and uh, I then started to notice how many other people had shaved heads or bald heads. It's like when you get a motorcycle, you start to notice all the motorcycles, right? So, yeah, there are way more people in that category than you'd imagine, right? There's a lot of all brethren. We were getting ready to call the game uh, with Ashley Burge, and I was sitting down at the desk writing something, and the camera got this perfect shot of the back of my head, and the TMO official for the game actually froze it on his screen and kept rewinding it and fast-forwarding it, and I was like, yep, it's time. (laughs) Uh, That's what the TMO does to, uh, you know, get excited, I guess. (laughs) Hey, um, we've got a loaded show. We're live on the Utah Warriors Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube account. Subscribe to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. If you've got a question or comment, throw them in. We'll try and get to those live or on demand or whatever. Here's what's on the rundown. We'll recap the loss to Houston, week eight recap, week nine preview in the league. Thomas Tuaval is going to join the program. San Diego, mm, San Diego. This is the first rematch of the year. We'll preview the big game Friday night. That was the... Uh, season opening loss by two best hair on the team who's got it the team weighs in and we'll talk to team rider friend of mine brandon gurney so let's jump right in this was a disappointing 28 to 12 loss to to houston at home second uh you know second minute things started physical christian dyer gets tackled by tomasi tonga and bailey wilson they then get a steal but it was like this tackle and pick up and try back a like 10 meters. This is crazy. It was a fantastic play and just both teams so physical throughout this entire match. And, you know, Tomasi, when he signed, (laughs) when he signed his first team contract, he was a little worried about the physical contact level that he was going to experience at the major league rugby level. Um, I think the kid's up for it. Yeah, no, he's, he's legit. Like Tomasi Tonga is one of the most physical players on the team and he's a rookie. I mean, he's been fantastic. Ken minute later, Warriors about to go up in this game, hold home field advantage, defend it. They get held up in the try zone. Unfortunately, this is kind of the closest the Warriors would get for a while. You know, it was another one of those moments early in a game where the Warriors, again, haven't been able to capitalize on points. And uh, it right here held up right in between the sticks. It was good body position from the Houston Sabercat defense and a bend-don't-break moment and really stifled what would have been a huge momentum burst for the Warriors. I think if, yeah, if Utah goes up in this game at home, they're looking good. Now, last year, Utah went down, what, 14 nothing against Houston, came back and won. This wasn't that game, unfortunately. We'll uh, continue to outline it here. Seventh minute, Cliven Lobster misses a penalty goal. That was weird. He doesn't miss, really. Um, and then uh, Houston gets a try on the 14th with Hebe Lava Skakni uh, to go up 7 nothing. Dean Muir scores in the 25th minute. It's 14 nothing again. We saw this last year. No problem. Utah comes back right. <sighs> didn't happen this time, unfortunately. 33rd minute, two penalties by Houston inside of 10 meters. They were making sure Utah wouldn't get in, using illegal means, obviously penalized, got this close to a penalty try. Ultimately didn't happen despite a yellow card to Nicholas Silveira. Uh, 36th minute, Utah's knocking on the door trying to cut into this. Lance Williams runs into the try zone. He tries to offload to Tomasi Tonga. Unfortunately, he turns it over. 
You know, it was a better buildup in this moment. We'll see a break here, I think, from Cliven Lobser, who's been great from the 15 position on attack. Um, you know, this was one of those buildup moments where you could feel the Warriors were starting to connect a little bit in their back line, and he stepped in. Um, the support was slow from the Warriors every single time a player made that break. But in that buildup with Lance Williams, you know, they were, again, driving inside the 10-meter and were had found that urgency that they needed to really force the issue. Here it is here. Off the back of the scrum, he picks and goes here, drives in physically, and then Tomasi Tonga gets the offload there and is tackled, and then the knock-on comes. You know, it was just one of those moments where the urgency was there. They just needed to have the patience where instead of Lance Williams driving for the line, if he goes down and gives the team better platform, instead of trying to gain the meters towards the try line, you probably are talking about outside backs and maybe Tomasi Tonga or Mikey Teo going in on the outside with space because the entire forward pack, remember, was committed to that scrum already on the near side of the field. Yes, that was a bummer. And it's still a donut on the board at halftime, done 14 nothing. We saw the Cliven Lopes are running the second half, going from right to left, uh, down towards the uh, south right. Uh, then in the 49th minute, this this is almost one of the plays of the year. Uh, Lopeser had a great game. He was running through everybody. Angus McClellan's like, give me the rock. Bailey Wilson just missed Caleb Mockney on an offload. Otherwise, it's probably a try right here. It was great. You know, even Franco Vandenberg in the 10 position there. You see the ball <laughs> skip off the turf. Lance Williams reset smartly here and uh as as that build-up continues to come you know the then the break comes i think two phases later after that and they're able to really start to put some pressure so you think even up here we go again uh even though they've spotted houston a 14 spot this team's starting to put some play together and it's only 14 nothing it's not like the game's out of reach we've seen utah come back from three score deficits and win multiple times last year so it's, it's not in the final 20 yet where they really turn it on, and we'll get to that in a second. But Masi um, Tonga, two minutes later in the 51st, he had a really nice long run, unfortunately, that didn't result in a try. But again, there was a lot of space in that midfield. In this game. It was another big break for Masi, and it was great to see because, you know, the physicality, bumping off one tackle, shaking off another defender. But look at where where's the support. He is surrounded by six Houston Sabercats, and needs to have somebody running off his inside and outside. Yuri Van Buren's the closest guy to him, and he's still almost 15 meters away after that line break. So where's the support from not only the forwards who should be trailing looking for the ruck, but also from those backline players supporting on the break? Okay, four minutes later. Caleb Mockney with a fantastic kick to Mikey Teo. We've been waiting for more of these moments. This is great. Mikey Teo's got it. He's inside the 22. He's trying to find Paul Asike. And unfortunately, there's a knock-on. This is sort of the theme in this game is there were plenty of opportunities in the open field, but unfortunately, the finishing was lacking. And it's been lacking all year, unfortunately, for this Utah Warriors team. You know, where we're used to seeing them score these tries. It was a great touch. It takes a bounce for Mikey, and then he looks over the top, gets Paul Lasique. That swinging arm tackle right there from the number nine really upset me because it was as obvious a straight red card as there should be in Major League Rugby, and the referee just ignored it completely. A blatant, open, swinging arm. You'll get a better look at it right here. Mikey knows exactly where Paul is. And then the nine on the cover winds up and just up over the shoulders and right across Paul's neck. Uh, you know, that's one of those that I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sanctioned 
for that after the fact. I also wouldn't be surprised if absolutely nothing happens with this officiating crew in Major League Rugby. There were dangerous tackles all over this game that were just completely ignored. Yeah, th- that's frustrating, right? Um, there's there's self-imposed stuff, and then there's, hey, make a call here. Okay, 60th minute uh, in a contestable free kick. Uh, Houston picks it up and scores with Willie Brits. It's 21 nothing At this point, it's like, shoot, is this not going to happen? 62nd minute, Cliven Lobster goes on a 40-meter run, multiple line breaks. He was great. Unfortunately, didn't result in anything again. 64th minute. Kisi Unufe has a yellow card, um, then a try for Tuveri Vungakoto. So it's 21-5. Unfortunately, the conversion went off the post. 68th minute, Connor Burns has one of the plays of the year. This is like a 59-meter kick from the opposite 10 inside the one. It was almost a play where he grabs it for a try. I mean, there was was a Houston Sabercat back there, but this is unbelievable kick. This is exactly why this 50-22 rule was written, you know, because it helps open up the field. The wings and the fullbacks had to be up to help on defense, and it creates that space. And the IQ of Connor Burns to see it put a perfectly weighted kick in for himself that if it was weighted a half inch the other way, I mean, we're talking the width of a shoelace to the inside of the field. He's probably dotting that down in the quarter for a try, as it was maybe the best 50-22 kick we've seen in Major League Rugby yet since the rule change. And, dude, he's he's got the burners. Like, Connor Burns is uh, begging for more playing time. It's it's tough to fit him in the 15 right now with the amazing backs that the Warriors have, but off the bench, he is bringing it, which is really fun to watch. Shout-out to Lindenwood, producing great players. We'll take all of them. Let's go. Um, 68th minute, moments later, held up in the try zone again, unfortunately. Mikey Teo then attempt, attempted a drop uh, a drop goal. It, it missed, but, but it was an aggressive play. It was a bold attempt from Mikey. You know, he f- kind of found himself in some space. And I think in his head, he's like, you know what? We've got to have three scores at this point to get it. Why not take that three points if it's on offer and give it a go? I just think the wind was against him. And I don't think he got a hold of it completely in that moment. I don't know that he was necessarily planning on it but I think it was an impulsive move and he had the space. So why not go for it in that position? I don't blame Mikey for trying it on. Let's go. Not a lot was working. In the 72nd minute, we saw something that was awesome. Paula CK scores a try, which was really fun to watch. We're going to see a much more of this coming up for the rest of the year. He absolutely buckled Danny Barrett on here. You know, I mean, Paula CK coming on in the 60th minute is really a cheat code for the Utah Warriors because now you've had to make these tough physical tackles for the first two thirds, three quarters of a game. And now you've got to tackle Paul Lasique who's fresh. You know, it was great to see him get his first bit of meat there in his return to action. And hopefully we'll see another, you know, 60, 70 minutes of that in the coming weeks. So it's 21, 12 with eight minutes to go. There's a shot two score game, right? Gideon uh, Van Vyke, Pick five, nail in the coffin. Houston wins 28-12. So that's the final score. A couple of uh, stats that I hate. Largest loss of the season. Previous was 14 to Austin. Third fewest points in a game in Warriors history. That's crazy. They score a lot of points a lot. And then uh, fourth largest loss in team history. So anyways, let's get that graphic off. Enough of that. Uh, Game notes. Thomas Tuaval had 11 carries. uh, Team high. We'll talk to him later in the program. Clement Lopeser. Look at that number. 169 meters run. Yuri Van Buren continues to be one of the tops in the league in first and second arrivals at the breakdown. And then Tuvedi Vungakoto, the Fijian international, led with eight tackles. 
you know, all of these boys were playing their hearts out physically, if not, you know, trying to win the mental battles in the roller coaster of an 80 minute rugby match. It was a good shift from the boys. They just need to start controlling the things that they can control and seizing those scoring opportunities. You know, the, the tail of the tape in this match was really just Houston punishing a couple of mistakes by the Utah Warriors in this match. The, the misread on the intercept try at the end, you're talking about one fumbled uh, kick that kind of hung up in the breeze for the Brits try. And, you know, you're talking about now a really close game going into the final minutes. Yeah. So the Warriors have to do better about controlling what they can control. Okay, a bit of news this afternoon. The Warriors announced the signing of James Maki. He's coming back. Uh, he played with the Warriors last year, former BYU All-American, played a couple of games. Good to have him back. A little thin at that position, right? Thomas Tuovals even moved to lock uh, after being kind of a, a loose forward, a flanker there, or eight man. So good to see James back uh, with the team. We're excited to have James back. Okay, let's recap what uh, happened around the league, uh, starting with uh, New England. New England is saying we're the best team Maybe not in the East in the league. They probably think they are. Nola takes down D.C., who let go of their coach, Andrew Douglas, after the loss. L.A. pounds Seattle. And uh, Toronto uh, takes down New York. So Toronto making a push as well in the East. You know, they're finding their form in the East, and they get their first home game in like four billion days coming up <laughs> for the Arrows. You know, they haven't played at home in Toronto since 1989. So uh, it'll be <laughs> good. <laughs> Good for that team for, you know, getting a little bit of momentum and building up some form there in the Eastern Conference to challenge uh, New York and Rugby ATL, who have been the power of the conference for the last three seasons. It's actually 93, and the last time they played a home game is when Joe Carter won the World Series in walk-off fashion with the Toronto Board. <laughs> it's actually a 1,000 days, but yes, it's been a long time. Okay, standing, starting in the West. Gilgronis with 23, Legion and Seawolves with 21, Houston with 20 now, look at that. L.A., 4-3, lagging behind. Utah, 2-5, eh, 13 points. Banksy, we've talked about it the last two weeks, but it feels like this is a big hole. I, I know you and I still believe Utah can climb out of it, but they have got to start winning, and, and it starts Friday against San Diego. They've got to start winning, and they've got to start winning in pretty authoritative fashion here because bonus points are going to matter in this race. When you're playing teams who are above you on the table – really you have a chance to make a massive point swing and holding the opposition to zero points on the table. And if you can gain the full bonus point out of that, you're going to put yourself in a position to compete. But, you know, I thought it needed to happen last week against Houston, obviously, because if a Utah wins in that position, now we're talking about Utah in the four, LA in the five, Houston in the six, and a completely different outlook going yeah. into this game against San Diego. I mean, I thought the game against Houston was a must win. San Diego is a must win for this Warriors team to keep playoff hopes alive. Obviously, I wish Utah was in a playoff position, but at least in the 4-5 spot on the heels of San Diego and Seattle. Unfortunately, two full games behind all those teams. So let's go. Okay, Utah right now is the third fewest points in the league. That's not great uh, because old glory DC, as we take a look at the Eastern Conference standings, they have one point. Jackals have four points. Then it's Utah. So that's not a great spot to be in. Not out of it, but not a great spot to be in. New England with 28 now. So far, so good for the Free Jacks. Most points in the league for the Free Jacks. Uh, so a really uh, surging team. They have found their form. They have found their identity. And they are firing on all cylinders with some key away team wins. This is the first time in Major League Rugby history that the uh, entire away rosters 
won their games in Major League Rugby. So not a single home team won their game last week uh, in Major League Rugby. And I think that's, that? that's parody maybe a little bit in the league, the level of competition that uh, that has risen again, you know, and we see teams now being forced to make changes to adjust to that competition. Yeah, let's take out uh, take a look at the schedule this week. Obviously, the Warriors uh, host San Diego Legion. Ma'anonu coming up Friday, 8 Mountain Time. More on that coming up. We'll preview that. Uh, Toronto uh, going to host Rugby ATL. That's a big game in the East. New England and NOLA. Rugby uh, New York with D.C. trying to keep D.C. winless. Giltinis and Jackals. Talk about the Jackals in a second, kind of what happened with them. Crazy story. And then Gilgronis, Houston, another Texas Cup game. That should be a good one. You know, there's some really interesting matchups, obviously, with uh, New England at New Orleans. New England's really going to want to keep on that win streak. Um, And then Toronto. If I'm rugby ATL, I do not want to travel to Toronto right now with a team (laughs) that's finding its form. That's a long way to go all the way, almost end to end, uh, the entire eastern seaboard there for rugby ATL heading up to Toronto to, to play a tough one on the road. Toronto's like, why don't you just live here and play all season and see what that's like? That's, <laughs> that's what Toronto did. Touche. Okay, that's all right. Last year, yeah. So Sunday afternoon, the Dallas Jackals had an incident where a walkway up around seven feet in the air collapsed, injuring nine players. So this is a scary situation. Short-term uh, loans and trades happened to account for those injuries, including former Warrior Charlie Hola from NOLA, also Carson Shoemaker, who was on the selects as a short-term loan from Utah. Crazy incident. We hope that everyone ends up okay in this. Luckily, no injuries are season-ending, but it's a scary situation. There was some pretty serious injuries in this incident, though, that's going to keep a lot of players out. Um, I give full credit to the league and the owners for really rallying around Dallas, who have been impressive this season. I think people are excited to have this club and these players in the league. So I know a lot of uh, players are going on short-term loan to help them be able to field a team. I think... After the incident, they only had 18 healthy players on the roster that were available. Wow. After all the injuries that they've been hit with through the season. I mean, remember, we're halfway through a season right now. And then you add on top of that the injuries that they had with this balcony walkway skybridge collapse. And they weren't going to be able to field a full 23. So the league rallied around this club and the ownership. Players have been sent. They've talked about short-term contracts. And they're really focusing on supporting not just the players in their recovery, but the club and the competition as well. It's great to see. Yeah, best of luck to all those guys. We know that's a scary situation in Dallas. So uh, that will be the regular season finale for Utah, going to Dallas coming up uh, later in the year in June. Okay, let's welcome our first of two guests today. His name is Thomas Tuaval. He's a baller. <coughs> He's a baller, and he now joins us on Dub Nation. Thomas, welcome back to the show. The last time you were on, you were at like a party with the guys. You were like in the oh, yeah. corner hoping to not say anything that they would make fun of you about, right? Yeah. That was when you tried to get me to yell at everyone to <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> that doesn't and, sound like something Jerem would oh, do. That's really out of character for him, Tommy. Congratulations on uh, getting married in the offseason to uh, Stephanie. Oh. How's, how's uh, yep. married life now, man? Married life is good. Cannot complain. You look, look really that. good in this She looks, she looks good. Up. She makes me look good. <laughs> she, was, uh, she was freaking out with that flower arrangement a little bit, but the day turned out well. So That's awesome, man. Look, congratulations on all of the off-field success and the on-field success. You're really pushing this loose forward group 
to perform at an even higher level than we've already seen from these guys. And now you've had to slot in and play some second row as well. How has that adjustment been playing in the tight five as opposed to in your normal position at blindside flanker? Um, it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, it wasn't expected, but um, we have a great forwards coach, great forward pack and, you know, practices a. um, pretty well put together and I think we get the work that we need to be able to perform. So I think it's been good for me to be able to learn a new position. Um, and I think it adds to my back row, um, repertoire and the things to be able to bring to a game. So I'm, I'm not complaining. Well, it makes us really versatile and open play having somebody with your physical skill set in the open field and at the breakdown, but also able to play lock. So, uh, you know, whatever gets you minutes, brother, I'm excited to see you with your boots on. Exactly. Let's talk about Robbie Abel. You mentioned a good forwards coach. What has he added to this group? Yeah. Kind of joined it later. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he just shows up and he's, he's excited. And I mean, sometimes you just wish he could play too. Um, But he, he brings the energy. He brings a, 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 he puts together a good environment for us to be able to learn and and compete. And so um, I think every week the, all the spots are open for everybody, and so we, we see that. And so when it comes to practice time, he just uh, he just wants us to all compete. So it's fun. He's been really great about adding in some of the subtle details, right? The little finesse yeah. things that you can only experience from the years playing rugby that he has at an elite level. What's something specifically that you've been able to take away from Coach since his arrival, especially with how much you've had to shuffle around your position? Um, I think, uh, just, uh, as far as lineouts, the lineout menu, I think in game time, we probably only ran 25 to maybe 30% of the lineouts we actually have. And so, um, it's fun to be able to pick his brain a bit and see all of the lineout options that he's experienced in all the teams he's played with. And so it kind of opens your eyes and, and mind in that set piece situation to like, the game itself and what can be going on. So it's fun. I'm excited to see more of those uh, lineout options. I also want to see a physical menu like I'm at a restaurant, and then I want to see someone pick that and then call it in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> should just let, give you a mic and let you call the lineouts for us, maybe. Like, hey, number, <laughs> number seven, uh, whatever that one is. Yeah. 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 Um, Tommy is not jumping. Tommy is not jumping. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bailey. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the season so far? Because this is certainly a talented team. You guys have been right there in a bunch of games. It's a mistake here or there. You know you can climb out of this hole at two and five and 13 points, yet you got to do it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's getting to the point where we, we recognize that, like, our backs are against the wall and, like, we have nothing to lose. Um, and if I'm the rest of the league, I'm kind of looking at that and looking at us as a team and how dangerous we can be. And I'm probably wondering, you know, what – what Warriors outfit is going to show up this week. Um, you know, I think the, the the result that we got against Dallas were capable of putting on any team in the in the league any given week. And so it's just a matter of, like you said, that piece here, piece there, and throwing it all together and being able to really show up for the Warriors nation and give them what they want to see. Um, so I don't think the, anyone's hitting a panic button yet. Um, if they are, everyone's doing a pretty good job of hiding it um but i mean it's uh it's almost like bad to say but it's kind of an interesting fun position to be in to know that 
you know, everybody has to bring the, their A game from here on out or else the season is not going to look very good. So it's a give everything you got week in, week out now. So Jamie Lane goes out in this match with uh, with an injury. You come in and you guys are forced to play a little bit smaller than probably normal at the at the at the set piece. But you are all over the field for this rugby team on the big high kicks and the restarts. I know you played some rugby league uh, growing up. Those restart kicks where you come screaming down the field, bro. I mean, are you lining up? Are you picking somebody out of that line and saying, you know what? It's you or me today. Because that's how a league guy runs the ball. You don't usually see guys run that return in rugby union as much as you do in league. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to be able to uh, – for the coaches to stay in time where it puts me in a position to be able to get the ball at full speed and have an open field and just look someone in the eye and pick them. Um, I just think I need to – as fun as it is to have the contacts, it's all, it's not – I mean, I was feeling it this, this week, so – maybe pick pick a gap next time and not just a 250 pound front rower, but um, <laughs> you know, it maybe be a little smarter about who you're running into. Yeah. 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 Look, look for the nine and 10, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Okay. Let's talk about the game Friday night. Obviously San Diego's team you're very familiar with. There's been some really tight matches with them, including the regular season opener where Utah lost by two. Uh, this is a game. You probably got to win, right, to stay in the playoff hunt yeah. and at home. Yeah, yeah, it's big. It's a you know a conference game. I think most of the schedule is all into conference games, so it's going to be a big week uh, for all teams. So I think, like you guys touched on earlier, we need to make a statement. We need to let the league know, like uh, you know, we we are that team that last season made it to the conference uh, finals. And we need to just focus on the grind, focus on not so much the outcome. I know we're in a position where we need to win. Um, we just need to stick to the details, stick to the process, enjoy it, you know, go to a dark place and um, see if the other team can hang in there. So we look forward to it. Friday's going to be a big game. Now that you've just said something that I also heard Lance Williams say a couple of weeks ago and go to a dark place. You know, is that something you guys talk about mentally because that phrase has been used now by a couple of different players as far as how you need to go into games up here in the top 10%. Yeah. Um, I think it all starts with like Matt Madison's uh, conditioning training in the off season. I think we just, you live in a dark place for that time. It's pretty, it's pretty rough. And then, uh, you know, I think even at practices, you know, we, I think other, other teams might show up to our practices and, and wonder like, what is going on? Why are these guys hitting each other so much? You know, we, we practice the way we want to play. Um, and so as far as going to a dark place, it's just, it kind of is a team, team theme. You know, we we're known for being physical. Um, and so we just have to have that mindset and carry it around with us. We're talking to Thomas Tuaval, who's part of house Slytherin and the dark arts uh, on. Dub oh Nation. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> please not Slytherin. Please not Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No. Uh, what house would you be in? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, every for some reason everyone likes Gryffindor, but Hufflepuff, maybe, maybe. Hufflepuff, and yeah. might have been for I don't know. Ravenclaw, just, just, to, yeah. just throw it off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's finish with this. Uh, the home crowds have been tremendous. They don't care what the oh, yeah. record is. They don't care what points are scored or aren't scored. They've been awesome. What role do you think they can play 
in the rest of the season? Um, you know, I think every every team that comes, like they have players say that we have the best crowd, we have the best atmosphere. And so I think even in comeback situations, especially that's when we feed off the crowd, you know, when they bring that energy, it kind of gives us that extra boost. Like it's not, I know it's a team sport and as much as we want to do it for each other and the boys, like it's, it's good to be able to have a crowd that, you know, that cares and wants us to perform on the field. So during the game, when you just hear the crowd screaming, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be able to make those tackles and, and runs. And hopefully, you know, we are always in that position to give them the result that they want and deserve. So that's what we're going to be focused on if the crowd comes and brings the energy. Okay, well, awesome. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you Friday night against San Diego, Thomas. Sweet. Look forward to it. Okay, Thomas Tuaval of House Hufflepuff, maybe, uh, on Dub Nation. <laughs> yeah, he's so versatile. Like, I, And I love what he said, which you pointed out that uh, you know Lance Williams said, is we need to go to a dark place. I don't care what place they go to. This team's too good to not be in contention for the playoffs. And right now they're out, but we're not even halfway. We're almost halfway through. There is time to rectify this. Paul Asike is on the team now. Obviously, there's some injuries they're dealing with. But this team needs – and they, they can, and I think they will, Friday night show up and change the narrative. Things start to turn Friday night against the Legion. It has the opportunity to, and uh, if you want to get your tickets, make sure you go to warriorsrugby.com uh, and get your tickets. If you can't be at the game, of course, uh, on your screen now, all the different ways that you can watch and support Dub Nation. We need to fill the stands, and like Tommy said, get loud for these boys. They feed off of this energy. You can be that proverbial 16th man on the pitch, driving them towards success, and it's got to start this weekend when we face that other team that likes to wear red and black. Uh, if we're going with a Harry Potter theme, it's they who shall not be named. Yeah, nice. Okay. Nice. I like that. <laughs> okay, so the game, uh, we've got the broadcast with Ashley this week on KMYU, KSLSports.com, the Rugby Network, ESPN 700, ESPN 960. There's no way to miss this. Let's go. Okay, question. Do you think we'll see Policique start this game? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him start. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see him go a full 40 minutes either. Um, the good news is Tyler Fisher is back this week off of a two-game sit. Uh, so that opens up some other options in the centers there as Paul continues to work up to being a full 80-minute fit. You know, we saw him for a great 20. He looked fantastic. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him for a full 40. So, you know, whether it's Tomasi or whether it's Calvin, Tyler, or Paulie in any of those positions, those guys can just go out there and empty the tank in that first 40 and know that next man up's got their back. I love those four, man. I really do. At the beginning of the season, it was kind of Calvin and Tyler and who else? Tomasi has developed amazingly. Paul is obviously one of the most talented players in the league. Let's go. Okay, storylines. Legion started 4-1. and one. They've lost the last two. Utah's only won once all-time versus San Diego. It was uh, last year in that epic comeback at home, down 17 with 18 minutes left. Utah won at the last minute. It was amazing. Um, the last three meetings have been decided by two, four, and two. So, yeah, and the Legion have scored exactly 31 and three of the last four. I feel like Utah's really got to show up off offensively in this game, put up some points, which we've seen them put up an MLR record 69 at home. So that's got to be there Friday night. But this has been a tough matchup for Utah but also one in which uh, Utah is certainly capable of winning, as we saw last year, despite being down 17. 
Look, it's up to the boys to put in the mahi on the day and really, you know, take accountability for every single position on the field and to do your job at an elite level. Uh, if they can avoid spotting San Diego 10 points up front, like they've done in three of the last four matchups, uh, you know, this team could pull off a very significant win here and get the season back on track. But it's going to take all 80 minutes to knock a team like San Diego down. Seriously, it's always tough. And it's one just one in five against Legion. Let's go. Uh, okay, a pl- couple players to watch. If you're new to the game, Ma'anonu is a former All Black who's incredible. Uh, he's so fun to watch. It's going to be great to have him uh, in the stadium. He didn't travel for the last game last year, as I recall. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I think it's his first time playing at Zions Bank Stadium. Joe Peterson, the fly half. Keep an eye on him. Third in MLR with 10 penalty goals. And then Matias Freire uh, tied for first on the team with three tries with Matt Moulds and uh, Nate Augsburger, who was a starting scrum half for the USA Eagles. So those are a couple of guys to watch, but it's a very talented team. You want to talk about some of the other players on the team as well. In the first matchup, it was really won and lost at the loose forward position. And San Diego was so good with uh, Pryor and with Tommy Lau attacking the breakdown and slowing the Warriors down. So I expect that to be another battle in this matchup again, because that formula has worked for other teams against the Warriors this year. So they're going to have to be accountable at the ruck and, uh, and hopefully the uh, officiating is up to holding them accountable at the ruck as well, because we've seen uh, a lot go wanting in that area uh, in not just Warriors games, but all over the league this year. So as long as we can get a clean, fair match out of this, uh, I would favor the Warriors in this matchup for sure, uh, because they're just too stacked full of talent to a man. Okay, let's go. Should be a fun one coming up Friday night. I cannot wait. And if you want to make sure that you're there as well, it's time to get your tickets. Uh, go to warriors.rugby.com and get your tickets. Buy four more tickets. And they start at just $10.50 each, all right? There's also That's flex it. packages available. So you can buy four tic- uh, four game packages. It's all on the website. Go to warriorsrugby.com and get your tickets for the best home field advantage in Major League Rugby at Zions Bank Stadium. Dub Nation, it's time to show up big for the boys in red and black. They need it. They really do. Let's go. Okay, like our show, there's a variety of hairstyles on this year's Utah Warriors team. So who has the best hair? Here's what the guys think. It's not me. Okay, go check that out. Uh, go check that out uh, You know, on social. We'll play that here in a second. But uh, we want to remind you to register for the Junior Warriors as well. Ashley Burge is killing it. This is an awesome program. It's a fantastic program. The clinics before the game, two tickets, a t-shirt for the kids. It's so great to see the junior warriors running around and Ashley and her crew have done incredible things with teaching these kids, the basics of the game. And it's even expanded into St. George. So there's clinics nice. coming up in St. George as well. So go to junior.warriorsrugby.com and get all the information about how to get your little rugger involved or if you want to introduce them to the game for the first time, this is the ideal opportunity. Junior.warriorsrugby.com. Okay, we mentioned it. Uh, who has the best hair on the team? Here's what the team has to say. What's the best hair on the team? Me, bro. What do you mean, man? Why is that even a question, bro? That's me. Yeah, I got hat hair. I'd have to say Niall. That guy's always playing with his hair on the field. Got to say it myself? Two. I like two hair. I'll tell you who has got the best. It is Caleb McKean. George Washington, oh, wow. Angus McClellan. Definitely Gus's locks. Sire, you look Sire. Sire, what's on the best hat you can do? Sire. 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 Sire.
What's your answer to this? Who do you think has the best hair on the team? I am calling out Major League Rugby and the Rugby Network because they actually put a post up last week about who's got the best mullet in MLR and did not put a photo of Lance Williams running free in the wind Come like on, a head brother. and shoulders commercial up there. That's a complete violation of code, man. The guy's got the best locks in Major League Rugby, and it's a long way to second place. I do like Caleb Makinese as well. I think it's pretty good lettuce. Caleb Mockney looks like he plays bass for Pearl Jam with that hair. Uh, that's the, that's the kind of like curly flowing locks that he's got. You know what I'm saying? That's funny. That's awesome. Well, sweet. Let's uh, bring in the team writer. He's new to the team this year. His name's Brandon Gurney. If you followed uh, you know, the Deseret News over the years and uh, BYU Cougars uh, coverage, Brandon Gurney. I've known him for a long time. Love Brandon's work. Excited to have him on the team and on Dub Nation tonight. Brandon, welcome to the program, man. Good to be with you guys. Talking rugby, a sport that I've really grown to love and appreciate over the last few months. It's, it's been really fun. Absolutely. What, what was your first exposure to rugby? Was it with the Warriors, or had you seen and experienced some games before that? Yeah, my parents actually uh, lived in New Zealand for three years, so I went down there to to visit them, and we and and also Australia, and we went to go see a, a rugby match, and I didn't know what was going on, but as the game went on, I thought, yeah, I could really get into this. It, it's a, This is a fun, fun game. And I'll be honest, that is literally the only rugby match I've ever attended until I got the call to, to be the rugby's team reporter. And <laughs> so my knowledge wasn't all that great. It's still not all that great. But I'm learning as I go. But what I do know is that it is a really fun sport with a lot of potential. And, and and just the home crowd at Zion Spank Park of the players, I've really embraced it. And I've, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to be doing what I'm doing. It's been a lot of fun. So what have been your impressions of, uh, you know, the Warriors and the community kind of reach with this? Because, we, you know, we had Thomas Tuval on and we've seen it a lot. Is It's a really fun environment at Zion Spank Stadium for a home game. It really is. I'll be honest. The first match I covered, they were on the road at San Diego. And I, I got to be honest, I was like, really? This is really not <laughs> – this is a big startup. I mean, things don't really look that smooth and, and all that. But the first game at Zions Bank Park, I was like, yeah, this is a thing. This is a great production. These, this is a knowledgeable fan base. This is a great home field atmosphere. So, so all I heard throughout the preseason was just how big of an advantage Zions Bank Park Stadium is. It, it's real. It, it's really fun there. They put on a really, really good show, and the fan base is incredible. And it's been, and that makes it all the more frustrating that they've lost two straight at home. A really, really frustrating matches where you could just take three plays in last week's game and just flip it, and the Warriors win. I, it's really that slight the margin of error. I, I mean, three of. Three of Houston's tries were just off really awful mistakes made by the Warriors, and it's really frustrating to watch because you see how talented this team is. You see the potential, and it's very obvious, especially with Paul McKinney. Holy cow, did he ever make a present for his first match out there? And, and I really think, and it's, it's kind of been the constant with the team talking to him, 
we just focus on us, just quit doing stupid things. We can win every game that we play. And it's not just, just player speak or coach speak. You really get that impression when you watch this team. I mean, there's no team that, that Utah's matched up against where it's like, oh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, they're just overwhelmed. Maybe maybe the one against Austin early in the year, maybe a little bit. But other than that, you, you get the impression if they just cut down the airs, just do what they do, that they can beat anyone in, in this league. And you hope it's not too late to catch up because I really do feel this team has a lot of potential. I want to ask you about an incident that happened in this last game because you were sitting out on the media porch <laughs> on that north side of the stadium. Yeah. In the final minutes, in like the final 10, 15 minutes of that match, the head coach of the Houston Sabercats actually got up and stormed into the broadcast booth where we were broadcasting and the fourth really? official was there. Did you see any of that occur? Because that was just two desks up from where you were sitting. And did you, what happened in that moment? Because we were live doing the radio broadcast on ESPN Radio at that point, And all we heard was yelling coming from the TMO booth. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could weigh in on this because I have no idea that happened. I, I mean, we're to the right. We're outside. We're not in technically in a booth. I really wish I could weigh in on this because this sounds <laughs> like something. But, but honestly, I have no idea. That's – wow. <laughs> I was really hoping you were there because the, uh, the away team coaches are also on that same porch, but they're right next to that fourth official window. So they're on yeah. the opposite end of that patio where you are. And – he lost his mind about something and came barging into a place where he shouldn't have been. And I was really hoping with your position that uh, you would have been able to see something. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't able to see anything. I, I This is the first I've heard of it, to be honest with you. I really wish I could weigh on, in on this because I really love stuff like this. But, but, but yeah, I, I was sent by the other Houston coaching staff and they were really into it. It was, it was really intense. But, but, but yeah, dang. That really makes me upset that I wasn't able to see Well, it. breaking news, in case you hadn't heard, the head coach of the Houston Sabercats stormed into the broadcast and TMO booth in the final minutes of that match where oh he had absolutely God. no business being. Wow. That is well, crazy. Well, now you know where to look. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, let's finish with this, Brandon. Um, what, as someone, uh, you know, unless – you have to be adopted into rugby at some point. You have to go to a game or yeah. see it or ask a question or whatever. How does how does rugby, uh, in your opinion, reach the the people who it hasn't reached quite yet in Utah? Because there's a strong base, of course, with in the high school ranks, of course, with Harriman and United and Highland and all that BYU in Utah and Utah State. When I, but that next level of like, hey, we have a pro team and it's a really fun atmosphere. Where do you see this kind of going in the next five, 10, 20 years? I think it's it's going really good. I think the community understands the game by and large. Uh, the, there's a there's I think with the Polynesian community, I think with that base, there's a lot of potential because I, I've never met many Polynesians that, that they don't understand rugby, that they play rugby and, and, and they love rugby. So, so I think with that base, I, I think there's a lot of potential in that regard. And also just winning games. I, I think it was a real breakthrough last year making the playoffs for the first time, which is making it so frustrating this year because you really do believe that this team has what it takes it just hasn't gotten it together uh, for whatever reason. And I think they will. I, I, I think this game against San Diego, I, I expect them to clean it up and come out and, and just get the lead early. It, it drives me crazy. It seems like every match you you just spot them 10, 17 points, but okay, let's go. Let's see if we can catch up. 
you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Even even in the win against, against Los Angeles, they were down early. So, so yeah, just clean that up. Keep winning. And I think they're doing a phenomenal job. You just go to those home matches, and it's like, yeah, they've got a good thing going, and this thing has a lot of potential. Well, awesome. We appreciate uh, the time. Check out Brandon's stuff on warriorsrugby.com. Uh, you know, we got previews. We got recaps. It's good insight into the team. And uh, thanks for the time, Brandon. Thanks, guys. Okay, Brandon Gurney, the team writer, team reporter. Good to have him on the program. And uh, I've known Brandon for a while. Really good writer. So check out his stuff. He does a really nice job. Look, we keep talking about this home field advantage at Designs Bank Stadium. Dub Nation, our boys have never needed you more than we need you this week to show up, to fill the stands, and be loud. The time is now. San Diego Legion in town. You can get your single game tickets. You can get the flex packages available and get as many as four games together, uh, starting as low as $52. Make sure you go to warriorsrugby.com or call 801-477-7652. That's 801-477-7652. Get your tickets, get your kit, get in the stands and get loud. Okay, let's go. Big game Friday night, as we mentioned, eight mountain time. Utah and San Diego. This is a rematch of the regular season opener in which Utah lost by two. It was a tight one. Chance to get back into the playoff hunt here by getting a home win. And uh, if you lose three in a row and you're suddenly two and six, you're on the outs uh, looking in. And then your back's really, really against the wall. It's against the wall right now. But, yeah, I I don't know if it's a must win because you know what was a must win? World War II. But certainly the, the Warriors need to, to come out with a victory here to feel confident. So let's get it. Let's get it Friday night. Come on. Talking about a weeknight game. It's going to be perfect out at Zions Bank Stadium. Uh, you know, with a win this week, we're talking about the opportunity to salvage a season. You know, if we go down three in a row now with only two wins going into week 10 of the season – now we're just talking about playing spoiler to somebody else's party, and we don't want to do that. We want to be fighting for a playoff spot, and it takes that additional energy that Dub Nation can bring. So we're excited to see y'all out of the ballpark. Okay, that'll do it for us. Like and share this episode of Dub Nation. Follow the Utah Warriors on social media. Our thanks to Thomas Tuaval and Brandon Gurney. Today's show was produced by Billy Rathule. You can see him in the back of the tri-zone running after guys and with help from Mason Benson. For Banksy, I am Jerem. Go Warriors! <laughs>